Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you've had a great week. Mine was pretty okay. It was pretty sick from Tuesday until maybe Saturday, Friday-ish. And I'm still kind of getting through whatever it is. And it's, I don't know, it's like, it could be, feels like allergies. It feels kind of like a cold. It's just, uh, it's just really annoying. And um, I just, I've been hoping just to get better. Um, I, I kind of feel like allergies are still kind of big because I, right now there's a lot of tree pollen all over the place and um, the weather has been up and down. So anyway, um, I hope you guys have been doing well, uh, especially, you know, like once again, if you guys are interested in joining the Discord group, make sure you join the Facebook group. So that way there's a verification through that and that way I know who you are and I can give you the link to get to the Discord. And all you guys that are part of Discord, thanks for being a part of that. I mean, I know it's not like every day something's going on, but the idea is that you have a space now that you could talk, share, you know, concerns, thoughts, questions, prayers. I mean, it's just something that could become something of a place where any of you guys can have a place to come to with other men. I mean, I know my main goal is for you guys to find that in your churches, to find that even if you guys have to lead it, but find an opportunity for you to find that where you're at, because that's very vital. It's very vital to have that connection with other men to help you uh, keep accountable, help you keep walking in truth, help you to just to learn more about God together. It's very vital, you know, and I know one of the questions was, but what, what about like us dealing with their own issues alone. Well, yes, there is your personal walk with the Lord, but a lot of times that's also when we are the weakest because once again, it goes back to the idea that we can handle things alone. And the idea is that when you look through scriptures, it is not designed for Christians to face things alone. You're supposed to be in fellowship. You're supposed to be in connection. Now it does not mean you don't have a personal relationship with God because that is very important too. So we got to have a clarity understanding of that too. Anyway, so we're continuing this series of changing minds. Now, the idea about changing minds is that we do have an issue. Like uh, It's just the way we are as, as humans. I mean, we saw Adam and Eve. We know that the enemy, Satan, he came down and he messed with her mind to get her to start thinking or doubting who God was by questioning whether God should be giving, didn't give her everything that she needed. Like, you know, sure, you know, God meant that you're going to die. Maybe he just didn't want you to, to know everything. See, the thing is the enemy wants to mess with their minds. And this is why it's very vital because the teachings that we're starting to see in some churches, and even I hear it in people. So it's not like I'm just generalizing this information. I've heard people use phrases that I know are not biblical. Because it's the conversation, it's the wordage that they want to use because it kind of generalizes the understanding of anything. And we know that last week we talked about God never changed because the idea is that if we can get it to where maybe the Old Testament version of God is not necessarily the way, quote unquote, we're supposed to be today as God, as we see him then that means we need to kind of have a change in how we pursue the church, how we pursue God, how we pursue Christianity. I mean, it, it's, it's a changing of your mind. 
Because remember when we talk, go back to even the, the armor of God, we talked about how there's a connection. And the one area that I said is very vital is not just the heart, but it's the helmet. Remember the helmet of salvation. Because if you redefine the understanding of what Christ has done for us, redefine what it means, what scripture means to us, that starts affecting the heart and other parts of the body. Because our heart is supposed to be loving God and holy and chasing after what is upright, what is godly. That's why godly men, godly women, that's that's the important part of us as men. We're supposed to be men who have good integrity, who walk in righteousness, who are godly, who want to serve the way God wants us to serve. And if we could just change that enough where you're starting to not really chase after that, but chase after a worldly version of what is what it that looks like. Then we are we're loved by everybody, we're liked by everybody. You know, that we chase after things that this world can offer. This is why today's episode is about love is not just love. Because one of the main things I hear a lot on TV, streaming, movies, whatever it may be, I've heard people say, isn't love just love? That phrase by itself is super generalized for one, but two, it doesn't define what love is. See, one of the interesting things that you're going to start noticing about progressive movements is that a lot of their phrases, a lot of the statements that you're going to hear from them is super generalized. There's no defining phrase, no defining understanding of what they mean. Because in their minds, love is basically how they feel in any situation. Which is why it's so much easier to allow however anybody wants to live, you know, however lifestyle they want to live in, is enough to say, well, love is love. Because in everybody's mind, loving someone or loving anything or loving like an item or loving an idea always means good. And that there's always that little catch, because I think I mentioned this last time, as long as I don't hurt anybody, then it's okay. So now we have to go looking at the scriptures again. When we get our normal Bibles, everyday Bibles, we always see just love, 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 the word love everywhere, right? But have you personally done some study on it? Because if you have... You, you know that scriptures are Greek written. And if you study any forms of Greek and even Hebrew, words have different meanings, which is why a lot of times the word weight gets used a lot. And that word weight has basically two meanings because we actually use one form of that meaning all the time. When we go to a restaurant, we go and we give the order of our meals to a waiter or waitress. Now, if we go by the good feeling pastors that are out there, you know, saying, no, wait on the Lord and he will provide, wait on the Lord. They always focus on the word wait as just being patient with the Lord or being patient. But if you study, you're going to learn that not every word 
wait means to be patient. Wait can also mean serving, as the server or waitress or waiter who serves you food. You see how easy it is just to corrupt a concept to create a feel-good message to make you feel great about yourself? It be so easily influenced. It can change your mind. It can make you see things differently. See, the thing is, are we supposed to be patient? Yes. Do, should we be patient as God leads? Yes. Should we be patient if there's like you want that house and you, you, you want it so badly you want it now, but you're not being patient and allowing God to put the pieces together for you? Yes. Got to be patient. But then there's also times where we need to be serving. So this goes back to the understanding of love. Love is not just love. Now, if we go to 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, this is a song I remember singing when I was like a kid. And it says, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, one of the big things you got to understand, okay? A lot of these writings are writings towards brothers and sisters in Christ, believers, okay? So if one thing you have to get in your head is you got you to gotta remind yourself when you're reading, okay? It does not mean all people that they're talking to. They're talking to believers. So loving one another, meaning loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. However, if we go and understand the meaning of that love, which is, I'm, I'm probably going to mess this up, but it's agapeo, which is to love. It's, it's an action of showing love towards, towards another person, not romance and not tolerance. Because it is a action of love. Like it says later on, because we, we always memorize verse 7 and 8. But then verse 9 says, God loved, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world, right? And then you go to verse, I think it's a 10. It says, consistent in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. You see, it is the other way of viewing what it was. It was an action that God provided his son to die for us. Okay. This is not a romantic love. This is an agapeo love. It's, it's an action showing that how much he loved us. He didn't like, you know, because if you study more on why he did it, we know it's because he didn't want anybody to go to hell. He wanted to provide grace, redemption, an opportunity to be able to be saved. Now, the interesting part about this Greek word of love, it's written in the New Testament 143 times. 
Because we got to understand that a genuine love of God is that because he is a holy God, a moral God, a judging God, and a God who saved us. Now that kind of love image where it comes from, the foundational understanding of where that love comes from, does not jive with what the current culture progressive movement is trying to engrave love is love. That's not the same type of love. A holy God, a God who knows no sin, who doesn't allow sin in his presence, that any of us, if we were to stand in his presence in our current state, would just die. Die, literally die. Does not show the same type of defining generalization that love is love, right? Because we know that even there's verses that talk about you're supposed to love your enemy. So even if they hate you, you're supposed to love your enemy. Well, guess what? It's this form of love. The same Greek word. So if that is true, then are we are we misusing some of these verses and understanding what it means? Because God showed his love by sending his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, we got to make sure when we are understanding, when people say, you know, follow your heart, that's also a generalization of the love is love phrasing. Following your heart. Why would you follow a heart that is corrupted by sin? And even, even though you may have the Holy Spirit, you're still fighting against the flesh. There's still desires in you that's going to be about me, about ourselves, the me factor. So there has to be a weight that we have to put into this, into the subject of following our heart to make sure that it's doing what is right, doing what is godly. Because if we start using the phrase, what is good, we can, like, sinners can do good stuff. They can show good kindness. They can be gentle to other people. They can do all that. Because remember, we're made in his image. The problem is, and most people don't agree with me in this in some cases, but people who are not saved, who do good things for other people, now we you know, got to understand, doing good things is actually also in a form of selfishness because it's a help them feel better about themselves because they help somebody. Now people say, well, isn't that what we do when, even if we're saved? And I'm like, in some ways, yes, but it's with the understanding they were doing it for the Lord because the Holy Spirit gives us the capability of understanding how to do this type of good without having, and like there's verses that even talk about without expectations of get of getting something because the, there's verses on that. That's what I'm saying. There's like a big study that you can really do on this idea of study of love <clears throat> because there is verses that talk about that. Even, <clears throat> even sinners know how to help others. Sinners know how to like give money to someone without expectation. There's capability of doing that type of love it exists. It is real and it's not something that, can be like it's not only christians can do 
But the idea is what is the goal or desire behind the phrasing or, or the desire behind using this type of goodness or love towards other people. Now that is clearly the different view that we have to understand because it, you know, agapeo is basically a verb or an action. You know, you know, the grammar word, it's, it's an action. A lot of times we see it in a charitable perspective. So like people giving to foundations, people giving it to charity groups, you know, providing to help the homeless. We see it in just your next door neighbor struggling with groceries and you go get groceries and you, and you get them for them. See, there is a lot of action in the idea of what this type of love is, which is why it goes back to understanding the first John, first John four verses that God did or showed action by providing his son to save us we are to love our neighbors in form of showing love towards them showing action towards them of this form of love so if your enemy has a flat tire you go out there and you help them fix their flat tire even though they hate you you did that for them that type of action it's going to say oh let's be a lot stronger than you going out there and popping their other tires or laughing at them and mocking them because that to me i see more of the issue is that we only show this form of love when we are in a good mood or when we're treated correctly by other people but in reality this type of love is supposed to be all the time because if we were to take the image of what God did for us and take the image of how we treat others, we don't deserve this type of love that he's given us, right? Those people don't deserve the type of love that we should be, that we may provide it for them, right? Cause they did wrong. They hurted us. They hated us. But I can tell you this people that had done me wrong, if they needed help, would give them the help if I was capable of giving them this type of help. You see, the idea is, guys, we got to have a better understanding of what love really is through scripture and having scriptural understanding so that we can actually say something to people, right? Because when we hear it, being taught at churches we're going to be talking about the other form on other forms of love that we hear a lot in scripture a lot that people use especially in the second half of this but the idea is that we need to learn understanding of action love versus just general generalizing love because a lot of times we're seeing a lot of Christians being able to just say, oh, well, you just need to be more loving. You just need to be more tolerant. And tolerance is not being loving. That is one of my main things. Being tolerant is not being loving. I don't need to surrender my moral ground in Christ and God to make you feel comfortable. That's, that's not how it works. And we shouldn't be accepting that. Now, it does not mean we go around being disrespectful or hurting people or attacking people or doing things that could, excuse me, destroy people. That's, that's not it. Because remember, we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love, you know, people in general, be respectful, you know, show good integrity, um, 
honor honor people with you know if someone's in authority over you and you need to honor that authority does not mean you just accept the way they mistreat you you report you do there's ways for us to be able to deal with problems without causing more problems or hurting people or attacking people or destroying people there's ways to do it and even the church has a rule set up of how to deal with people who are problems in the church but mostly it's for those who have committed sin and not have repented but straightforward you know the main thing is, is you know someone in your church and or you know member whether you're a staff member whether you're the pastor you should be able to confront or talk with those people about an issue they have with you now if they're not willing to give you their reasoning it doesn't mean you now hate them or disown them but some t in some situations there might be times especially if you're in leadership that you may have to tell somebody to step away because you're you're causing divisiveness you're causing hurt and pain on people you're disrespecting you you know as the as an authority figure and that's okay to do that but the truth is we got to understand the definition of love before we start just generalizing it because defining is way more important than just the feel good feel okay we're gonna take a quick break and come back right after these commercials for the second half see you right after Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of this episode. Now, the, I was talking about there's another Greek word that people use all the time. Now, when I say 1 Corinthians 13, most people always think of, oh, yeah, that is the love chapter. Now, the, the Greek word used mainly in this whole chapter is agape. Agape and I always hit agapeo sound very similar, which they are in some regards, but usually agape is the noun perspective of agapeo. But usually agape is also what's used as a committed love, which is why you always like many, many, many. I mean, them, all the weddings I've been to, most of them have used 1 Corinthians 13 as the chapter to read and to talk about. And then people always love to sometimes misquote things because they don't understand that this love and the love we just talked about in the first half are not the same love, but are very similar in love. Because committed love is you are committing yourself and usually by this perspective you're following a moral code there is something that you are are abstaining or not abstaining but what you are connecting your understanding of love how to actually show it in agapeo love you got to have some type of foundational understanding it's unconditional okay so committed love means that you are committing to, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be kind, 
Um, I'm not going to envy. I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be self-seeking. I'm not going to be irritable. And and it does you know it doesn't keep records of wrong. And love finds no joy in unrighteousness. But see, unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you're wondering where I'm reading from, it is First Corinthians. 13 4 through 7 and i continue in verse 8 love never ends right but as for prophecies they will come to an end as for tongues they will cease as for knowledge it will come to an end for we know in part and we prophesy in part when the perfect comes the partial will come to an end when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only reflection as a mirror, but then faces, face to face. Now I know in part, but when I will know fully as I am fully known, now these three remain, hope, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So when we are showing agape love, we're showing a committal love to people or to others. Now, a lot of times when you go and look like in King James Version, the word love in there is written as charitable or charity. Now, even though agapeo is a form of a charity perspective, like you are showing in action, agape love is a committed charity towards someone or something or usually in this case, it's through people that you're showing this type of love. So, you know, a lot of times we have agape love to our family. You have agape love to our best friends and friends. And we have agape love to brothers and sisters in Christ. So like that's usually you go to church, people, you know, love on each other, encourage whatnot. You know, like there's that type of agape love already established because there's this commitment to love that person. But a lot of times, once again, it goes right back. Only when we are okay only when we don't have problems with other people and only if we're not being attacked then we'll show love to people i can tell you this, it's hard my last experience at my last job at the end seeing how people treated me it was hard to love those people sometimes i think i might have not loved them the way i should have but I did my best to try to allow God to not allow that anger and bitterness to just come out towards them and be hurtful and disrespectful and, and just come after them. But to clarify understanding this type of love, right? A committed love. What's interesting, if we were, remember I said, you got to understand meaning. Because we know all about 1 Corinthians 13. If we've heard it, you know, every wedding, we've heard it probably talked about and preached about. And we have this understanding. It's like a romanticized type love, which it's, it's, it's not a romantic love. <clears throat> Even though we use it for weddings, it's not a romantic love. It is a committal love. Okay. We can go to Luke eleven forty three. I'm not reading the whole thing. But we're reading this part because the word love is in there and is defined. It says, Woe to you, Pharisees, you love the front seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Okay? 
This definition of love is the same love that's found in 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love. Now in our minds, we're starting to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What? But I thought agape love is showing this commitment, this type of love is unconditional. Yes. Remember how I said in the beginning, love, like forms of love can be good and can be bad. I believe I said in the beginning, because I might have said it in my head, but I might not have said it out loud. But the idea is that there's good love and there's bad love. You, you can use these forms of love in a negative way. I want that to sink in a little bit. You can use these loves in a bad way. Are you seeing how, <coughs> excuse me, are you seeing how generalizing love is love can't work? Because if you don't understand what you're doing in, in form of committed love versus basically to love and action to do it, if you don't have a foundational understanding of who God is, you don't have a foundational understanding of how to love people, to love things. So going back to verse 43, for Luke 11, what is, what is this love meaning then? Well, in regards to the Pharisees, it's saying that they have a committed love to want to be in the front so everybody and see them and notice them. Their heart's desire is to be noticed, to be accepted, to be greeted, to let, you know, they want to stand out to the crowd so that everybody can see them. Are you seeing, you're seeing this connection now? Why we need to understand what love means? Because if we don't, we're going to misunderstand the usage of scripture. Now, if we go to first John two, um, let's see, verse 15 through 17, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If any loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world or the lust, of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride in one's possessions is not from the father, but is from the world and the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Defining this love is agape, a committed love. Do not commit to the world or the things in the world. If anyone commits to the world, the commitment of the father is not in him for every, everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, going through the whole thing and the world with its lust is passing away but the one who does not does does not the will of god remains forever ah you see do you understand does not commit and it's kind of interesting because we know of another section where the word conformed is used in romans romans 12 1 and 2 very common verses that people love to use it says therefore brothers and sisters in a view of mercies of god i urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true worship do not be committed conformed to this age or to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good pleasing and perfect will of god 
So conforming, it's almost like another form of being committing yourself to. So you're showing a love towards the world. Even though the word love is not used in there and it's not this it's not agape there, the idea is if you take what is read as an understanding from first John two, do not commit, do not love the world, also clarifies why Paul used the word conformed. Because conforming is becoming. So if you love someone, don't you kind of conform into that type of a person that they can love back? I want that to sink in a little bit. If you commit to something that you love, do you not conform into being something that that or whatever it may be loves you back? You know, a good example, sports. We love our football team. We commit to supporting them. We commit to you know cheering for them when they're playing, and we we are sad when they lose. We're happy when they win. But sometimes we conform to being a part of their fanhood, right? We wear hats. We wear jerseys. We wear bracelets. We uh, don't like it when other people have problems towards our team or make bad comments and we get aggressive and we start defending we start getting really into it to a form where we are actually going to love towards the team so much so that we are committing things that we shouldn't be doing in support of them or doing things that we do because we love them right you got to have a clear understanding of what it means to love. That is why I said love can be wrong, which we see a lot of that today by the misuse of understanding what love means. When we generalize it and we as Christians use it to generalize to okay or to show a form of tolerance, that's not biblical. The world does not want us to love in the way that God sees it. The world wants us to love where it's pleasing and acceptable and a tolerance. And like, you know, we use the word woke or progressive. You know, we need to catch up in times. We need to be more acceptable by the culture today instead of so negative, so judgmental. We start using those phrases towards each other <clears throat> when pastors are willing to speak up for the gospel message and against sin and confronting people about it. Suddenly now they're the villain. <clears throat> they are the ones being told to sit down or to move aside. And the people that, <clears throat> sorry, my sinuses are catching up. And the people that are praised and lifted up on those pedestals, you start listening to their teaching. You start noticing that the, the feel-good sermons are coming out. The more acceptable sermons. You know, once again, if you haven't seen it, there is, I can't remember, I think it's in Discovery. It's about uh, Hillsong. Now... The people they interview, some of those people are not Christians. 
they they showed an agape agape love towards Hillsong and towards the preaching. And it wasn't because they were being convicted. It wasn't because they were changing. It wasn't because they were trying to be more like Jesus. No, it was the feel-good feeling of being loved. And when those people failed, when the truth came out about how they did things, that love suddenly went away too. That love wasn't there. And now they're sitting down, staring, thinking, why am I so confused? What went wrong? Why, 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 why did they fail me? And it's because what they did is they created a new version of what they feel we should be as Christians. And they weren't teaching the truth. They wanted you to feel loved, not be loved. I feel like that is what's going on in churches today. You got to feel the worship. You got to feel God's doing something. And really, it's you're committing to love others. You're committing to love God. You know, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you're giving everything, everything to him. And you're loving him in everything, every aspect of your life. You know, Romans 12.1 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Sorry, this is First John, sorry. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't a bit or piece of you all of you when they sacrificed for sin it was all in not you couldn't give a portion of your sacrifice to do forgiveness for a portion of your sins it was for all of it and because it wasn't fully enough to cover all of your sins you had to do it regularly and then enters the Messiah, the promise Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came down, became a man, grew up, did his ministry that he was called to do, taught men and women, made a whole new perspective of scripture that was predestined by what we saw through the Old Testament of a coming Messiah. And understanding that their sins is what's going to, is what's separating them from God. And that he came so that he may be the ultimate sacrifice. The one sacrifice that would erase all sin, not just partial, but all sin. That's the perfect Lamb of God. So understand that when he died on that cross, he took all of our sins away, right? He was the ultimate version of our love, what we're supposed to understand what love is. 
we have different versions of love and scripture to understand so that we can better understand the scriptures, but we can also better understand how we're supposed to be. We can commit to God a hundred percent, then we will have agape love that's committed a hundred percent, a hundred percent to what we are supposed to be as Christians. We can't just be loving. We can't just love to love. We can't just love. That's not it. Love is not being peaceful. Loving is not just conforming. Loving is not not judging because loving is not just accepting everybody where they're at. It's understanding that, yes, you are a sinner. You come to my church or you're, you're, you know, you come to me, you're struggling. Great. You know, I, I accept you where you're at, but now this is what Jesus has done for you. And all you have to do is repent and get back on track. And God's going to show his love towards you because his son died for you. And all you have to do is accept what his son did and repent. Walk away from that lifestyle, that world that you, you've been so enamored in. He will save you. You see, progressive Christians want you to think love is love. Love is tolerant. Love is just accepting people for who they are. They were born that way. We shouldn't be telling them that they need to change. Love is not about judging them, even though scripture tells you that, hey, God's already judged us. This is what Jesus did for us. Love is just about peace. No, Peace means that you're going to have struggles, you're going to have problems, you're going to battle things, you're going to have to fight for your faith, you're going to have to speak up for what is true. And God's going to give you the peace to be able to do all that, and the courage. Love is conforming. No, love is not conforming. Love is not being like the world. This is not God's version of what we're hearing today. If your churches are preaching this gospel message and scripture truth, amen to that. But when I'm hearing and seeing on Facebook and hearing and words from people's mouths that don't fit the scriptures, there is bad teaching out there, guys. Make sure you are spending time in God's word. Make sure you are understanding God's word so that you're not easily fooled all about changing your mindset. If I can convince you to think something different, all I need to do. That's how the world's going to try to get you. That's how people who aren't seeking out God's wisdom and understanding, who aren't walking in the Lord, are trying to pull you away. All I have to do is change your mind. So be aware. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this time. I pray that you move hearts. I pray that you change hearts. I pray that you just allow your Holy Spirit to enter in somehow into these people and just change them. Help them to be more forward in interest in studying the scriptures, not just hearing it, not just having someone telling them about it, but they study it. Because if they can have a better understanding, they won't be so easily influenced by these ideologies that want to change their mind just enough look at things with the wrong lens or the wrong worldview because it's not your view I pray that today 
we will see more more guys get more involved in this group, get more involved in the podcast, um, see change in their churches, see men realizing they need to hey, they need to like pay attention, Lord. They need to speak up. They need to recognize when things are not being taught correctly and be willing to study so they have better understanding so that they can confront those that are teaching. Pray, Lord, that today will be a time where men can maybe reflect on themselves and make sure that they are not being influenced by some of these views. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, have a blessed next week. Technically, it's already started, but God bless you all, and I'll see you next time.